It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Hang on, hang on. I'm just finishing counting some votes here. It's another one for pepperoni and mushroom. Oh, one for sardine and onions. Okay. Last ballot here. Oh, Hawaiian. Okay, so that's one, two, three, four. Pepperoni and mushrooms. Okay, hang on. Amanda, order the pepperoni and mushrooms. I don't know, whenever it can be here. Okay, I gotta go on. Sorry about that. Just picking the pizza for tonight. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It is Inside Sports on 6.30 Chet. What an odd day to do a sports show. Not gonna lie to you. We got the tense American presidential election vote counting going on. Several key states still to be decided. So I, I, I kind of feel a little, uh, a little honored tonight. So Sid Smith, as you know, just as a little bit of background, Sid Smith, who was the, the boss at 630 Chad, retired last week. Friday was his last day. And so we have, we have a new boss who I have not met. I just get these mysterious digital messages that I, that I have to decode to find out what he's saying to me. He's sort of one of these shadowy figures. I guess he's sort of like the cigarette smoking man on the X-Files, but we haven't, uh, but we haven't yet kind of, kind of seen him. So we get these messages. So I got this message saying, Greed, go ahead with Inside Sports, but make sure you keep people updated if, if something happens or if something significant is going on. So I will try to do that. And I guess because of that, I get to add something to my resume. I get to add a line to my resume today. Reed Wilkins, American presidential election correspondent. Well, maybe I'm going a little bit overboard with that. Happy to hear from you this evening. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. Look, of course, we will cover some sports stories tonight because there is a lot going on in the world of sports. Of course, as we've learned through the months of the pandemic, Sometimes what's going on is the announcement that there won't be anything going on. Unfortunately, another league added to that list today, the ACAC, the schools like, uh, you know, Nate, Augustana, Red Deer College, all of those, they're not going to go. And you may remember we had an update a few weeks ago and the ACAC said, look, we're going we're gonna to take it easy for now. We're not doing anything in the fall, but we're still shooting to do something in January. Well, today we found out that's not going to work. So we'll get the update from the ACAC. I'm sure you've seen the story about the Coliseum where the Oilers used to play. Is it going to be torn down? Could they do something to make it some sort of a recreational facility? Paul Sir from the Alberta Basketball Association from Canada Basketball. You've heard him on this show numerous times. Uh, such a great advocate for, I mean, for basketball, but I think for, for amateur sport and, and developing athletes in general. But he has an idea to use the Coliseum to get some more courts going. So he's going to let us know what's going on with that tonight. Bob Stoffer's on the show. Now, don't tell Bob. Uh, don't, don't tell Bob. I, I have a quiz for Stoffer ready to go. 
And I'm, I like this one quite a bit. I think I might stump him with one of the questions. I don't know. We'll see. And Emily Kaplan's on the show. She covers the NHL for ESPN. Uh, her and Greg Wyshynski did that great article late in the playoffs about uh, like having players anonymously talk about being in the bubbles in Toronto and Edmonton. She recently published a story with a lot of speculation and a lot of possibilities for the next NHL season, which I still think, despite the NHL having January 1st as a target date, is uh, is actually probably not going to start until January 15th at the earliest, maybe not even until February 1st. 60 games at the most. They want to want to do at least 48 and then have a full playoffs. And, of course, you have to be done in time for the Summer Olympics in Tokyo. So she is going to check in tonight. I, I'm sitting there watching this. Is this – I don't know what you would compare this to in the world of sports. Maybe the longest video review ever? Though I guess the initial decision has not been made. It's not like the referee called it a goal on the ice and then it's being reviewed and that takes a long time. They're, they're still making the initial decision about who wins the electoral college votes in, in a lot of these states. Uh, obviously, they're talking about Arizona, about Georgia, about Pennsylvania, about, uh, uh, about uh, Nevada. So we're trying to figure out what happens in some of these states and, and see who, who gets to those 270 electoral votes. Um, I, I thought I, I stayed up until two in the morning watching election coverage last night. My show ended uh, was the yesterday. My show ended early. It's all a bit of a blur. Yesterday, Inside Sports ended at seven. Uh, I went over to my parents for a bit and and was watching with them. And then uh, I came home and uh, continued watching. I may have enjoyed a scone of gold along the way. I'm not going to lie to you. Why wouldn't you? So then Trump speaks, and I, I found it was interesting what Trump said. Because he, he, he said, we're, we're, he said, we've already won the election, but I'm also going to take it to the Supreme Court and challenge us as a fraudulent election. And I, a sports thing popped into my head there. That, that would be like the Oilers scoring a goal and then Dave Tippett challenging for offside. Hey, it's great that we scored, but maybe we should take another look at this. That, that's what that struck me as... Uh, as he said that. Anyway, I, I know you didn't tune in to hear too much about politics tonight, but again, I, it is the big story of the day, so I think i got to talk about it a little bit. What, and first of all, what about this this John King on, on CNN? That's the channel I, I have on now with, uh, what do they call it, his big board, his magic wall? But it's 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 amazing. He touches all the states and zooms in. Like he's, a, he, he's like a young Howie Meeker with the Telestrator or maybe John Madden. Boom! Pow! There's a vote! That's what that struck me on tonight. 7804960063. Peter from Wainwright, who I enjoy hearing from. He says, I hope you're doing well. The Northeastern Alberta Junior Hockey League regular season got kicked off last weekend. Glad to have some local hockey to watch. The Bisons are 2 0. The Bandits are 0 2. Those two go at it next weekend in Lloyd. Well, there is a blast from the past, Peter. Thanks for checking in. And of course, yeah, there are uh, hockey leagues that are getting going. The Northeastern Alberta Junior League, I used to cover that when I lived in Lloyd. Lloydminster Bandits were a good team, and the Wainwright Bandits were usually pretty good as well. I'm, I'm not even sure what teams are in the league right now, but we used to have the uh, the Cold Lake Ice. We had the Vegreville Rangers. We had the uh, Vermilion Tigers. Uh, who we had the uh, What was the team in Saddle Lake? I think it was the Saddle Lake Warriors. And I think I'm, I'm missing at least one team. But anyway, it was an eight or nine team league for most. Lac LaBiche had a team, but then they folded. Uh, I think Onion Lake had a team and then folded and came back. But anyway, the, uh, 
that's that's the what I can tell you about there. Northeast Alberta Junior Hockey League, they're going. And don't forget the Alberta Junior Hockey League is ready to go November 13th. We're going to be covering that league it's just to some extent as we go along here. And uh, Gord Thibodeau, who's the winningest coach of all time in the AGHL, is scheduled to join us on the show tomorrow night. Uh, this texter says... Um, Uh, John King is waiting for the results for so long. He keeps repeating himself and going over and over the same data. It's almost listening, like listening to Bob Stoffer tell his tree planting stories once a week for years and years and years. Well, those stories are really enriching, I find. But maybe that's just, that's just me. I, I mean, I, I find they fertilize my soul. I feel something growing within me. Yeah, I to that texture... Fair point about John King, but I, you know I, I've been in situations like that covering drafts and free agency. You're waiting for something to happening for to to happen, and you got to fill airtime. And also remember that a show like that, and even a show like this one, a lot of radio shows, you you have to remember that the audience a lot of time goes in and out. So I don't think if, if I think if you're broadcasting election results specifically, let's talk about that today. You can't assume that the audience has been there the whole time. There's always somebody who is just turning on the television and they're going to expect some really relevant in- information in probably 30 to 60 seconds of turning on their television. Or they're going to assume that that channel is behind or doesn't have it and they're going to check somewhere else. So remember that too when you're watching people like John King and other broadcasters cover this election. But uh, yeah, fair enough. All right, 780-496-0063. We will take a quick timeout. It is 6.15. It is Inside Sports on Chet. Smith back with the Oilers for another season signed on the second day of free agency earlier this month. There is some Oilers news today. William Lagason gets a two-year contract. Now the first year of the contract is a two-way deal. The second year of the contract, it's a one-year deal. Average annual value of $725,000. He's currently playing in Europe. He'll remain there until the start of the NHL season. He's uh, 24. 24 years of age, 6'2", about 207, 25 games in the AHL last season, played eight games with the Oilers, including his NHL debut New Year's Eve against the Rangers, the wildest game of the year. That 7-5 win for the Oilers. That was when Yamamoto got called up and scored the clinching goal into the uh, into the empty net. The Oilers were up 6-0 and saw that dwindle the 6-5 before they finally won. Uh, Lagason, you know, depth defenseman. I, I, I remember I was doing the Oilers depth chart on D a few weeks ago and I didn't mention him and somebody was like, hey, dude, what about Lagason? Fair enough. Uh, I think he's probably an organizational 7-8 or even 9, depending on how it goes with some of the other younger players. But, uh, you know, I think uh, a good type of player to have some depth. And play, and play, and if he, if he keeps playing in the American Hockey League, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with being the the eighth or ninth best defenseman in your organization, and maybe you got to come up and play twenty to thirty games a year when there's injuries or struggles with other players. And as we've seen, the Oilers have so many years of of struggles. What often happened? They they got to call up somebody from the farm 
who doesn't have a lot of experience or forcing a younger player in, into his role uh, he's not accustomed with. If William Lagason gets a couple hundred AHL games under his belt and uh, has to be an occasional call-up for the Oilers or fill-in guy, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If he knows his job, comes up and do it, does it, and then maybe he has to go back down. So uh, I think that's a decent signing for uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Earlier this week... Well, that was only, it seems like this week has been several days already. I don't know why. If it was all that time in front of the TV watching the election last night, they signed Dominic Cahoon to the one-year contract. Uh, probably a guy who's kind of a third-line forward. That's what Phil Bork uh, out of Pittsburgh said the other day. He saw him play 50 games for the Penguins last season. All right. 780-496-0063 to call or text. The big L says uh, about William Lagason sounds like a guy who would be fine to lose to the Kraken. Well, yeah, that's a good point too. He'd probably, I mean, he would be exposed in the expansion draft. Would Seattle want him depending on what else the Oilers have available? You never know. Would they snap up a big contract like James Neal where they have to pay a little more or would they go for a depth defenseman like Lagason? That's a fair comment there coming in from the big L. Uh, I do want to, I do want to get to this, this clip. We, we, we had the abbreviated show last night, but we had a, a really cool interview with Peter Diakowski, 11-year CFL veteran on the offensive line, really interesting guy, was on Jeopardy, uh, very well-read and smart human being. So he talked about his experience in politics. In 2019, he ran for the Conservative Party of Canada in a riding in Hamilton. He wound up finishing third, but was pretty competitive. And I asked Diakowski, do you compare... How do you compare game day in the CFL versus your election day experience? A ton in common, and it was completely different. It was something entirely new for me, but there were a lot of things that rhymed. You know, all of the, the preparation, everything that, that goes into getting ready for, for a game over the offseason and over uh, a week, I had that same feeling. You know, we were getting ready for it. Um, we were getting ready for it and then it's finally here but there's a difference because on a game day all this preparation and then it's, everything is on my shoulders and i've got to execute on game day whereas on election day it's at that time it's completely out of my hands and it's entirely in the hands of the voters of the people to decide who they want to represent them in parliament so that is completely flipped and that was something new to me because even in the worst loss I've ever been a part of. I've always gone back and looked at my own performance. This is in a football, uh, in the football context, and thought, which of these plays could I have done better on? You know, where, like, if I played a perfect game, maybe we would have had a shot. And so, no matter what the margin is, I'm always beating myself up on each and every individual, uh, individual play. And then the game itself, each play is a moment to change the game, and, and I've got incredible power and, and agency in that. The election day. The haze in the barn. I was, you know, still, you know, going around having coffees at all the Tim Hortons, uh, you know, doing all the things you're supposed to supposed to do on election day. But you know, half the people are already voted by the time I talk to them. That was Peter Dykowski on the show last night. Go to the Inside Sports page to get the full interview. I found him really interesting, very well-spoken, and, uh, yeah, like a pretty well-rounded guy, and he dove into politics there and uh, battled really hard. So that was uh, that was good for him for sure. Just some other notes here. Tomorrow would be Thursday night football, and it looks like the, the game is still a go. It's the 49ers taking on the Packers. Now, San Francisco, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, Shutting down their facility because of COVID-19 test results. They were reportedly conducting contract contact tracing this morning. 
The team said a player tested positive and immediately went into self-quarantine. And again, at the moment, no change regarding the status of the Thursday night game. 49ers are supposed to host the Green Bay Packers. It has gone south for the 49ers. Went to the Super Bowl last season. Jimmy Garoppolo out for several weeks. George Kittle out for eight weeks. So that could amount to to being the rest of the season for those two guys. We've seen numerous NFL games. I I think we're up to around nine or ten NFL game shuffled around because of uh, of COVID-19. They have not yet had to miss any games. They've had to adjust some some bye weeks and move some games around, but they're uh, they're plowing through. So we'll see what happens with that. Also, Ryan Strom, the guy who was an Edmonton Oiler for uh, about a year and a third, according to Larry Brooks, the New York Post, restricted free agent Ryan Strom requesting one year, $5.7 million dollars. In his arbitration brief on Tuesday, the Rangers countering at $3.6 million. Strom was pretty good for the Rangers last season. 18 goals, 59 points in 70 games. Man, imagine if he was an oiler doing that on the second or third line. That would have been pretty good. He's 27, coming off a two-year contract that had a cap hit of $3.1 million. So uh, there you go. And uh, we all remember. Maybe we don't all remember who the Oilers traded into the Rangers for because he wasn't an Oiler for very long. And now he's not playing in the NHL. And that was Ryan Spooner. And also, well, let's uh, let's really look far ahead here. But this is kind of neat. Vancouver City Council. Should they make a bid? They're going to talk about considering a bid for the 2030 Olympics. Of course, they hosted in 2010 was a pretty big success, some great moments for Canada, a lot of gold medals, the hockey gold. So uh, maybe Vancouver looking at trying to do it again just 20 years after after getting it the first time. All right, so those are some of your news and notes for today. I'm, I'm so excited. Like this quiz for Stoffer is really good. I didn't half-ass this one today. I actually put in some effort. Notice I just said some effort, not maximum effort. And Emily Kaplan coming up from ESPN. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. She's taking a look into the next NHL season. We'll speculate. Why not? Okay, Charles Adler coming up at 8 o'clock. He'll... Keep you updated on the American election. I do have the television on in the background. Uh, We are expecting new vote totals in Arizona and Georgia tonight. Both those states are really close. Electoral college votes, 253 for Biden, 213 for Trump. The magic number is 270. It's like that, uh, that Elam finish they have in the Canadian Elite Basketball now. Once the first stoppage after four minutes, they add nine onto the team score that has the lead, and that's the score you have to get to to win the game. And don't forget the Edmonton Stingers won the championship this summer, which was pretty cool. Uh, all right, and it looks like the Trump campaign uh, has filed lawsuits in Michigan, Pennsylvania, 
and uh, Georgia. And I thought I uh, saw or heard a fourth one might be coming as well. So it's a, it is an ongoing tale. It is an ongoing tale. Charles Adler will go much deeper into detail coming up after eight o'clock. Reed Wilkins with you on Inside Sports. Thank you so much for tuning in. William Lagason, new contract from the Oilers today, two years Average annual value of $725,000, probably a player who spends most of his time in the minors, at least this coming season. And uh, we see how he continues to develop. He is 24 years old. When will that NHL season start? Who the heck knows? But let's get as much insight as we can from ESPN. It is Emily Kaplan. Emily, welcome to Inside Sports on Chet. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you I, I'm doing well. Well, it feels kind of awkward doing a, a, a sports show today because I, I look. I'm not arrogant enough to think that a, the sports is the number one topic today for people. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. A, um, and your empathy up north of the border doesn't go unnoticed. So thank you. <laughs> Wait. Well, hey, before we dive into some hockey stuff, we've we've never had a chance to have you on the show before. So I'd like to get to know a little bit about your history and uh, and your career path. How long have you been with ESPN now? Uh, this is coming on to be uh, year four for me. Uh, I used to cover the NFL for Sports Illustrated. That was the first job I got out of college. I was pretty lucky. Uh, I did that for a couple of years, and ESPN interviewed me for a football job. I mentioned my love of hockey so much that uh, they called me back and said, what if you want to be one of our national hockey reporters? So it's been a treat. I came on with Greg Wyshynski. Obviously, we came on after they had a bunch of layoffs, um, and, you know, all those guys are the best, Burnside and Pierre um, and Katie Strang, but they've been nothing but supportive of us and, you know, the direction we've taken our coverage. So where well, where did you grow up? And, and you mentioned being a big hockey fan. Was that your, your first love uh, as a kid or as a teen? Or tell me about that connection. Well, um, I'm a middle child, and I have middle child complex. So I'm one of three girls. We grew up in New Jersey, and my dad was a big New York Rangers fan. And I always thought my dad hated me, so I would watch Rangers games with him growing up, and that's how we bonded. And obviously now I'm his favorite. <laughs> that's oh, that, okay well that's I'm, I'm glad that worked out and what kind of stuff did you do covering the national football league that, that, i mean that's obviously the that is the biggest league in north america yeah i worked for uh specifically peter king's uh micro website the mmqb at si when he started it and we covered football in a different way a lot of in-depth feature stories behind the scenes uh, Peter loves road trips, so we were always uh, traversing around uh, the country, and it was a really good time, and, and I, I love covering the sport of football, but um, it's definitely a, a different um, culture in hockey. Um, I, I can't really compare the two because they're, I, I love them both so much, but um, it was definitely a transition for me. Peter King is exceptional. Now, were you with him? And, and Emily, I'm sorry, I can't remember the exact timing. W- were you when, working with Peter when he did that trip and he hit some CFL cities, I think, one June? Because that was really cool when he did that. We did CFL week at Web, but he was obsessed with doing uh, theme weeks. Uh, yeah, so I remember I wrote about the MVP of the league, and I God, I am like blanking on who it was on the time. Um, but he was also a banker in his uh, spare time. He was a full backer, running back, and he was just a nice guy. Oh, who would have that been? Um, man, I can't remember the exact. I, I didn't know we were going to wind up talking about this. I'm going to look this up on the fly here, Emily, because now. Um, totally. Um, was it John Cornish? It might have been John Cornish yeah. from the Stampeders. Yeah, yeah, it was from the Stampeders. And you know what? It was before I knew Canada as intimately as I do now because of hockey. So 
I would have appreciated it for reporting on the CFL now. <laughs> well, George Cornish, uh, a Canadian and a pretty great player. So, so that was cool. Oh, see, somebody just texted. Well, Kellen back at the studio was like, it was George Cornish. So people know for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for sharing a little bit about your career path. You, you and Greg have been doing some great stuff on ESPN.com. Let me start with the one from several weeks ago where you went inside the bubble and you had some players speak with anonymity about their experiences in the bubble in Toronto and Edmonton. Were you surprised players opened up like they did? Or, or, you know, did you think that you might be able to get some stuff? Because I know sometimes I've had to be in that situation where you're like, hey, I'm not going to use your name, but can you give me some information? And sometimes people do it, and sometimes they kind of give you a sideways look where it's like, what are you talking about? So how was that process for you? You know what? I reached out to a bunch of guys, and, and some I knew pretty well, and some guys that, like, I don't know, I had written a story about, you know, we didn't have much of a relationship, and I was surprised by how many actually wanted to open up and have a long convo about this. You know, I was on the phone with some of these guys for, like, an hour, an hour and a half, and I think what it was is that, and kind of this is how I pitched it to them, is, you know, if you have to do this bubble situation again, you want all of this out there. Like, you want people to know, you know, what you've been through. And, you know, everything is in context. Like, it wasn't total hardship, but it wasn't an ideal situation, just so it can be better next time and there can be improvements. And I think that was a lot of guys' motivation for wanting to speak out about, um, you know, some of the less-than-promised things that were about the bubble. And uh, I'm really glad they did. So to transition to your, your latest work and uh the headline nhl 2021 season plans latest on format format timeline and challenges from those conversations and ones you've had since is there any possible way there could be bubbles hub cities even if the rules aren't as strict as they were in edmonton and toronto can you see that being in place in any form in the upcoming regular season I think we're going to start using terms like hybrid bubble. Um, hub cities might still exist. That's a, the buzzword from 2020 that might carry over. Um, but we, Greg and I had a combo with Bill Daly last week, and we, you know, he made it very apparent. We understand what everybody did um, over the summer was extraordinary circumstances, and we probably pushed it to the edge of how long we could do that. Nobody is going to have to ask anyone to do that for that long next year. So whatever we do get next year will be a lessened version of that. Okay. So there, but there could be, you go, let's just pick Vancouver. Could there be a situation where Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver and, and Winnipeg are in Vancouver for two weeks and play each other twice each. And then they go somewhere else. Is that realistic? Yeah. That's realistic. I've heard situations like that. I've heard, you know, scenarios that NHL is looking at where there's like um, a tournament. So there's, let's say that Columbus is a hub city and all the Metro teams come in there. They play, you know, each other in round robin. Then they go home for a week or two um, so they can be with their family. So who knows what it's going to look like at this point. Uh, The NHL has been really patient saying we're going to wait as long as possible. We don't have to make a decision now, but like time is ticking. At some point you need to firm up some plans. Well, that's a good point. I mean, January 1st is less than two months. I've been saying all along, I don't think they'll reach that target date. Personally, I think it's January 15th or February 1st, but the NBA wants to get rolling just before Christmas. So so you do have to start uh, planning some things. Absolutely. What Do you think it's going to wind up being a Canadian division or at least for part of the season, a Canadian division? If the border situation remains as it is, yes, there will have to be a Canadian division. Um, I, I just think it is too difficult to 
to try to, you know, travel players across the border and get all those exceptions um, just as they were able to achieve, but, you know, in a much more controlled environment um, for the summer. So if the border situation remains as is, yes, and I think that the three NHL teams that have AHL affiliates um, those in the U.S., those affiliates would temporarily relocate to Canada. Um, but maybe politics change in this country and the virus gets better and the border situation changes. Who's to say? Well, that's a, that's a really good point. I mean, because clearly political situations and uh, opinions of health officials factor into all this as well. Emily Kaplan joining us tonight covers the NHL for ESPN on ESPN.com. She and Greg Wyshynski have a great article with uh, some speculation about what could happen in the next NHL season. Okay, so I'm glad to ask you this because, you know, I read all this stuff and I speculate. I I don't think January 1st is going to happen. What, what do you think for a realistic start date for the next season? I'm with you. I, I think we already start to hear them changing their tone, like on or around January 1st is now what they're saying. Um, I'd say late January uh, sounds like best case scenario at this point. I think February could also be realistic. Yeah, so do I. I mean, I wonder if it's February 1st and they play 48 games and then they get out by the Olympics but it, but it appears they would not want to let more than 16 teams into the playoffs this time around. Is that the impression you're getting? Yeah, Gary's just so obsessed with, um, you know, the traditionalism of the playoffs and maintaining the integrity there. Um, so he doesn't have much of an appetite to expand the playoffs, even though it was really fun to see all those extra teams in. Okay. Uh, how, how close do you think they were to playing a game at Lake Louise near Banff? Um. I think they were close in that there was a lot of interest from the NHL side. I, I think they knew it would be a stunning event visually. Players would be into it. It would be a great way to start the season. But I think once they started looking into it um, and, you know, just kind of calling around and talking to folks, staging an NHL game in a global pandemic at a national park just was a headache <laughs> that they did not want to have to deal with. Right. <laughs> That's a good point. It might have seemed a little excessive, giving everything that the world is 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 trying to get through. Uh, Emily, thank, did I miss anything key before I, before I let you go? I mean, you've been covering this story so well, and uh, you know what hockey's like uh, in Edmonton. I mean, we'd sell out games that started at two in the morning if 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 that was the start time. Is there anything key I'm missing here? No, you know that's it. I appreciate you having me on, and honestly. I came out to Edmonton to report on the bubble and be bubble adjacent, and the folks there were just so kind, and I, I really fell in love with your city. So I guess a thank you to everyone who was uh, really kind to me. Well, I appreciate you saying that, and there really are two Edmontons. There's the Edmonton that exists between about April and mid-October, and then there's the Edmonton that exists from October to March. So you got to see the better version for sure. <laughs> I live in Chicago. I can emphasize we have shitty winters too. Sorry, I'm not alone. Oh, oh, and you know what I got to mention too? Because somebody just texted. Sorry, somebody just texted in. Uh, John says, and I wanted to bring this up. A really classy move by Emily on around the horn the other day when she talked about Joey Moss. Yeah, thank you for doing that, Emily. That was awesome. You know, I was just really touched when I learned more about him. Um, seeing how many players posted about him over decades and and just what a pal he was. So. Um, it was just a story that really resonated with me, and I'm glad I could share it again south of the border. Excellent stuff. I hope we could talk again, Emily. Really appreciate the update. No problem. Thanks. Have a good night, guys.
Emily Kaplan checking in from ESPN. Maybe you've already read the piece on ESPN.com. It's really good, really in-depth with her and Greg Wyshynski doing the writing. So what did she say off the top? Hybrid bubbles and maybe still hub cities for a regular season. So could an entire division of teams, and these could be modified divisions, temporarily changed for a year or part of a year. So what if there's a Canadian division? And let's just use February 1st as a, as a starting point for the sake of argument. February 1st, the seven Canadian teams go to Winnipeg and they play around Robin from February 1st to February 13th or 14th. And then they all go home for a week. And then the next week they uh, all go to Vancouver and they do another round Robin. And then, um, Maybe they'd have to play more than a round robin to to get all the games in, but maybe you do that. That takes five weeks. Maybe you could play seven games, eight games in 14 days instead of just six. Five weeks into the season, you've played about 16 games, and you try to get in the 48 from there. I think that seems to be a possibility. The players don't want to go back into bubbles for a long time like they just did in – in Toronto and Edmonton. Thanks for texting that in, John, because I did want to bring that up with Emily. She says some really nice stuff about Joey Moss the other day on the television, so that is cool. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. Uh, again, if you're looking for election updates, I'm glad you came to 630 Chet because there is no other media covering the election. CNN right now, it's a retrospective of the OJ trial. Okay, maybe not. Maybe it's election stuff. Uh, Waiting for new vote. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. From Arizona and Georgia, Bob Stoffer is coming up to Inside Sports on Chet. from your Edmonton Oil Kings first round draft pick of the St. Louis Blues is going to play for the Brooks Bandits in the AJHL until the Western League gets going in January the AJHL set to face off on November 13th Gord Thibodeau coach of the Fort McMurray Oil Barons will join us tomorrow night thanks a lot for tuning in this evening inside sports on 630 Chad my name is Reed Wilkins uh, we have the double E football team coaches show every Monday presented by Jiffy Lube. That is at seven 30 with Morley Scott and Scott Milanovic. They've had some other special guests on the show as well. I think Trevor Harris is going to join them in the next week or two. Uh, John writing in, he says the American politics is a mess. Trump says if we win, the election is legit, but if we lose the election is a fraud. It's like an NHL head coach saying the referees have been bribed, but only in the games we lost. <laughs> that, is from, that is from John. Uh, Murr, the Flames guy. Is this, this is the same uh, in, the, in sometimes he's Murr, the Stamps guy. Is this not the same guy, Kellum? I think he it is. is. Yeah. It depends on the season, right? Obviously. Depends on the season. So right now he's the Flames guy, so even though we're not guy. in season for It will be the NHL before it's the next CFL season. Mm-hmm. 
He says, what is your opinion on Markstrom? I'm still not 100% sure. I think Markstrom is a pretty good goaltender. I think that's an upgrade for the Flames. I think the length of the contract is is risky. But if the Flames do some damage in the next three or four years, are they really going to care that much about years five and six? That's how I look at that. 780-496-0063. So Jake Neighbor is going to play for the Brooks Bandits. Uh, that is interesting. We just had Emily Kaplan on the show. She mentioned the possibility of bringing American Hockey League teams to Canada for the upcoming season so you wouldn't have to be shuttling players back and forth across the border, which may not be open anyway. Scott Housen, the commissioner of the AJHL, was on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer and talked about that. Well, I've always said nothing's off the table. It's certainly not our preference. We'd rather have, you know, Utica, Stockton, and Bakersfield playing. Uh, uh, but if there's a if there's a border closure, I mean, we were offered some hope last week when the the pilot project was announced by the Alberta government to test people coming in, um, and if they were negative, they could go about their business. As long as, I think as long as they agreed to get a second test. Um, I haven't heard if that's actually in place yet, but that would really bode well for uh, for hockey in general if, because the, the player supply is so important, as you know, to the NHL teams. We just can't have uh, a team playing, uh, an, an affiliate playing in the States, uh, and then you know Edmonton or Calgary or Vancouver needs two or three players, and they just can't get them there. It's just not going to work. All right. So, yeah, that's a good outline there from uh, Scott Housen, of course, formerly of the Oilers organization, now the running the American Hockey League. So they may have to bring some of those teams up to Canada just so teams can get players that they need uh, more easily. So another storyline to follow. The Oilers uh, locking up William Laguson today. He was a restricted free agent for a couple of seasons. Average annual value is $725,000. It's a two-way contract in the first year, one-way contract in year two. On Monday, they signed Dominic Cahoon. The Oilers are already in his the Oilers are already his fourth NHL team, and he's just going into his third year in uh, the NHL. Born in the Czech Republic, but grew up in Germany. Several turns with the German national team. Some of them with Leon Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl tried to get him to come to the Oilers a couple of years ago when Peter Shirelli was the general manager. So now they are united in Edmonton. Phil Bork, broadcaster for the Penguins, former player, saw Cahoon play there. Yeah, top nine. I'm glad you didn't say top six. I think he's more of a top nine guy. He can go up you know, with the top guys if he has to. If you're getting a really good hockey player, you're getting a really smart hockey player and Dominic Cahoon. And as you mentioned, at 900, under a million, you're getting almost a zero-risk player. Uh, he's a smart player. I'll be honest with you, when he first came to the Penguins, I thought, are you killing me, kidding me? How has this guy scored 13 goals to the Chicago Blackhawks? But... You know, he's, he's a Czech-born player, but grew up in Germany. So, you know, him and Leon Dreisaitl uh, have a instant chemistry just from their times with the national team. So it'll be interesting to see if he does play with Leon. I know he's played with some other players uh, there in Edmonton that have worked well. But Dominic Cahoon is a player that can go up and, and play with McDavid. Uh, he, you know, when he scored the 13 goals in Chicago, it doesn't sound like a whole lot, but he did it with Jonathan Taves. He's played with Patrick Kane. Uh, he didn't get a whole lot of time with, with Sid Ogino here in Pittsburgh. But after a real slow start, uh, he really came on, Reed. He, he's, he's a smart player. He's got a good skill set. He's a legitimate NHL player. 
every team could use a Dominic Cahoon. Let me put it to you that way. That's probably the simplest way that every team would embrace a player that can get you between 10 and 15 goals, responsible defensively. He's low to zero maintenance uh, and just come to work. Uh, I didn't know what kind of personality he had in the locker room, but I hear players really liked him. Once he was ab- uh, you know, was able to get some goals and, and feel like he was a part of the team, uh, he was able to relax and breathe and his personality came out. So, you know, that's a great, it's a great get by the Oilers. It really is. You guys are going to be happy with Dominic Cahoon. Uh, I could see him getting maybe 17 or 18 goals. I'd love to see him get 20, but I think your expectations to be somewhere between uh, 12 and 16. Well, if he gets double digits and they only play 48 games, I think that would be pretty good for Dominic Cahoon. Webster texting in tonight. He says, hey, Reed, really love the addition of Cahoon. Forward group has more skill than it's had in a long time. The problem is that was a pretty low bar to jump over. I'm still relatively optimistic about the next season whenever it gets going. That is Webster texting in to the show. Thanks for that. Okay, we got to take a break for the 7 o'clock news. Bob Stoffer coming up. We'll also talk to Paul Sir from Canada Basketball, the Alberta Basketball Association, why he doesn't want Northlands Coliseum demolished, and the latest on the Alberta College's Athletic Conference. They are a no-go for a season this year. We'll tell you why. Busy next hour coming up. Please stick around. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.